0: Pray with me. Heavenly Father, you are holy. You are high and you are lifted up. Lord, there is no way that we can see you for who you are unless you open our eyes. So we thank you that by the power of your Holy Spirit, through the working of your spirit, through your word, you do just that. You open our eyes so that we can see you. So, Heavenly Father, I pray that as this message is proclaimed, that you would receive glory and honor. I pray that uh, you would give me words to say that uh, are in accordance with your word. And I pray, Lord, that, that our eyes would be open today, fresh and new. To see you who, for, for, for who you are. That we would see Jesus as our resurrected Savior. And Lord, through our eyes, which are open, I pray that you would also help us by the power of your spirit to walk with you, to live with you, and to grow as your disciples. So we ask for your presence now. We ask that your Holy Spirit would work in a mighty way within our congregation. Lord, to your glory and to your honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. The, uh, this is the third Sunday of Easter. There are several Sundays in Easter. People wonder, why do we have so many Sundays of Easter? And I say, well, why don't we have more Sundays of Easter? It is uh, difficult in one, on one Sunday for one sermon to learn all that there is to learn about the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I believe that those who organized the, the readings during the season of Easter knew exactly what they were doing. Uh, they know that we need the truth of the resurrection in our life every day. We need to know that Jesus is alive, he is active, and he meets us where we're at in life. And he, through his word, he causes our eyes to be open. So the epistle lesson for this, uh, the third Sunday and Easter is from 1 Peter, the first chapter, beginning with the 13th verse. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world. But was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of the imperishable. Through the living and enduring word of God. This is the word of the Lord. And sometimes we wonder why do we have a response after the reading of God's word. Well, it's not very polite uh, to remain mute when you're spoken to. God has spoken to us in his word and it's polite for us to say something to praise him. In response, So we say, thanks be to God. And today's gospel lesson is taken from the 24th chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the 13th verse. And it's also traditional for pastors to read from, I don't do this very often, I shouldn't do it more, from the middle of the congregation, as the congregation also rises for the reading of the gospel lesson. And the reason the pastor will read from the middle of the congregation is because Jesus is with us he's present with us and as we read about Christ from the Gospels it's important to remember that Jesus is still with us he loves us he cares for us and he promises to never leave us nor forsake us so our gospel lesson from the 24th chapter of Luke's gospel now that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus about seven miles from Jerusalem they were talking with each other about everything that had happened They had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are, and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread. "...gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together." and saying, It is true! The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way, and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. And church, this is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. First thing I want to say is that faith, faith is that which clings to the promises of God. Uh, Faith is also something in which we can see uh, with eyes that are not natural and believe. Uh, Faith is a gift. It's a gift given by God. Faith is not something that we can work up in ourselves in order to achieve this special vision To see and to believe and to trust in Jesus. So faith is a gift. We look with the eyes of faith, not sight. But our broken human vision can't accept the things of God. Because we are a sinful people, because we are a broken people, uh, we cannot see clearly the truth of who God is and of who Christ is, and especially what Christ has accomplished for us in his death and resurrection. You see, our broken vision can only see Jesus maybe as a preacher. And many people will say this. They'll look at the Gospels. They may read the Gospels and establish in their own minds a, uh, an, an idea of who Jesus is. And they'll, they'll, they'll believe that he was a good teacher who taught many good things. Who taught us how to love our neighbor. How to live out a good moral life. They can see the good morals of Christ, but they haven't had their eyes opened to believe that Jesus is the one who died and rose. We can only trust that Jesus is the one who not only died for us, but who rose again and who's alive today if our eyes are opened by the power of the Holy Spirit Through the word of God. So Jesus wasn't just another prophet. He wasn't just one among many. He is that once and for all final prophet. Who is the way, the truth, and the life. But the two disciples on the road to Emmaus didn't see Jesus as that once and for all prophet who came to save humanity. They had established in their minds their own perception, their own idea, their own false theology of who Jesus is. So let's look at their words again. uh, These two disciples, Cleopas and his his buddy, verse 19. So they said, you know... You don't know about the things that happened in Jerusalem? Verse 19, Jesus said, what things? And these are the things of Jesus' crucifixion. What things, Jesus asked? About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. Now listen to this, verse 21. But we had hoped... That he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They viewed him as a prophet. And they hoped that Jesus would redeem Israel. And that statement, redeem Israel, had a completely different meaning to them. They were thinking of Jesus coming as a savior king. Who would kick out Roman soldiers and would establish Jewish rule again. So they were thinking of a political savior, a savior who would redeem politically. They didn't understand that Jesus came not for politics, but for the souls of people, to save humanity from the curse of sin. So Cleopas and his companion on the road to Emmaus could only see through their broken eyesight, They didn't have their eyes open to see and to believe God's plan. They couldn't see or believe God's perspective. So I ask you this question How often do you look at things from your own perspective rather than from God's perspective? How often do you do this? your situation in life how many of you would say i'm in a bit of a predicament right now life isn't easy how often do you see things from your own perspective rather than from god's perspective in church this is why we need to develop the exercise of our devotional lives We need to exercise this discipline of reading the scriptures. Of being a people of prayer. Because it's through the word. In our relationship with God through prayer. That the Holy Spirit does this work of opening our eyes. So that we can see not only God from a proper perspective. And Jesus from a proper perspective. From God's perspective. But so that we can see our own Lives and the various situations and difficulties that we're facing in life from God's perspective. You see, when our eyes are open, we see God for who He is. Through the Scriptures, when He, when he opens our eyes, we see the God that really is alive and is working on our behalf. So we need to exercise the discipline of reading God's Word, praying God's word because we're so prone to see the problems of life from our own human perspective rather than from God's perspective. I've been reading a book recently I've actually through the week I've read almost the whole thing. It's a book by the uh, well-known author the late author A.W. Tozer. And A.W. Tozer in his book The Knowledge of the Holy he writes this He says, the person who comes to a right belief about God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems. When you come to a right belief about God, when your eyes are open to see God for who He is through the Word of God, you look at everything with a completely different perspective. And it relieves you of 10,000 temporal problems. And Tozer affirmed in his book that the only way a person can arrive at a right belief about God is through the Word of God. So don't believe for a second that the study of theology or of doctrine from the Scriptures is a fruitless pursuit. That is one of the most important things that we can do as Christians is to be in God's Word, to read His Word, to study His Word, to pray His Word, because in the Bible, God reveals Himself to us, especially in the person of Jesus, who is the Word made flesh. And our eyes are open to see that Jesus is the one who lived, who died, and rose, and is alive for us in our salvation. So it was Cleopas' and his companions' lack of understanding of God's word that led them to not see who Jesus really was. They didn't understand God's word, and because they didn't understand uh, the word of God, they missed out uh, on who Jesus is. So look at uh, Luke 24, 25, and 27. He said to them, How foolish you are. And how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? Look at verse 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. see, the church, and we as individuals, have always been tempted to abandon the Bible for other things. Amen. Amen. Jesus always sets the church right again when we come back to the Scriptures. Jesus used the Bible to reveal the truth of who He was and is. So it's impossible for us to have a right understanding of God, of Jesus, apart from His Word. And through the Word of God, the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to see and to believe correctly about God. And our devotion to God through faithful dedication to God's Word is it's not purely an academic discipline. It is a discipline for receiving life and supporting life. Again, Tozer said, the person who comes to a right belief about God is relieved of 10,000 temporal problems. And then the psalmist says in Psalm chapter 1, beginning with the first verse, the psalmist says, Blessed is the one who does not walk and step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in what? The law of the Lord. And who does what? And who meditates on his law day and night. Now listen, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. But not so the wicked. They're like the chaff. But the wind blows away. You know what chaff is, right? It's that stuff that surrounds the wheat kernel simply blown away. Through the Word of... You see, God's Word is about life. It's about life for you today. And when you're established in His Word, you're like that tree planted by a stream of water which bears fruit. You would think that because of these two disciples' slowness of, of uh, heart or their doubt that Jesus wouldn't like them. That Jesus would just simply cast them to the side. And say these guys are nothing but chaff. I want nothing to do with them. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus loves Cleopas. He loves his buddy. Although they're bumbling disciples who said, who said Jesus had said about them foolish and slow to believe. Jesus still loves them. He loves them and he walks with them along this road. Jesus doesn't leave them, he sticks with them. Do you struggle with your faith? Do you struggle in your life as a disciple of Jesus? Do you struggle to follow him? Jesus loves you, he loves people who struggle. He loves people who fail to see things from the proper perspective, from God's perspective. And he says, he isn't going to leave you, he isn't going to forsake you, because you're struggling in life. So often, I I do not see things from God's perspective. And, And it brings me to a very dark place. And I've been there. Or I'm not seeing things from God's perspective. I'm looking at things from my own perspective. I'm trying to use my own wisdom. I'm trying to use my own ability to figure life out. Puts me in a very dark place. But I know that Jesus loves me. And that though I am sinful... He comes alongside me. And he says, let me teach you. Let me show you. Let me open your eyes. So we mess up. We don't get it right. But Jesus still loves us. So I think that we need to view discipleship in this way. I think we need to view discipleship not as... A results-focused, but as process-focused. We are such a results-oriented people. We are always looking for results. But I think we need to view our walk with Jesus as a process. We're all a work in process. Just like Cleopas and his buddy on the road to Emmaus. We're all disciples walking with Jesus and we need him to continually, daily, open our eyes to understand all that God is doing. We're a work in progress. Jesus understood that the disciples were a work in process. That's the whole idea of discipleship. Discipleship is a lifelong process. That's why Luther said that the whole of the Christian life is repentance. Jesus loves you so much that as you walk with him, he opens your eyes. He changes your thinking. And as a result, your world is changed. I want to say this, if you're thinking, you're speaking, and your actions are not being challenged by God's Word. You're not living as a disciple. When you are walking with Jesus, He is going to challenge you. And when our eyes are opened, we're going to be challenged. In what we believe. In the way we speak. And in the way we live. So Jesus is so loving that he has chosen to bring us to this place where our eyes are open. And we understand we're really not on the right path. And then he is gracious to put us on the path that we should go on. So I want us to look now at Luke 24, 30 through 35. When he was at table with them, that is when Jesus was at table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Kind of strange. Strange. Jesus must have some sort of supernatural capability to go where he wants, when he wants. And and he does, as true God. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? So here we're reminded of two gracious gifts of God. The gift of the sacrament of Holy Communion. Now, I'm not saying that what they were doing here was celebrating the Lord's Supper. But it certainly reminds us that the sacrament of Holy Communion is a gift of grace. And when we partake of the bread and we partake of the wine, we're reminded and we're given the reality that Jesus loves us, that his body was broken for us, and that his blood was shed for us. And that it's through the cross, it's through his sacrifice, that we are made alive again, that we're forgiven of our sins and our eyes are open. But look at that, verse 32. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the Scriptures to us? You see, the Scriptures, the Word of God is a powerful thing. A powerful thing. And then they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. You see, Jesus doesn't leave us on the path of life uh, to fend for ourselves. We don't walk the road of life alone. Jesus continually meets us here in this sanctuary, in the bread, and in the wine. That continual reminder that his body was broken and his blood was shed. Daily we can open the scriptures and Jesus can instruct us and help us and to open our eyes and to cause us to see things from his perspective. My challenge for you this week is this. To stop focusing on the results of discipleship. Instead focus on the process of discipleship. And when you stop focusing on the results then. You find yourself in a place where. You realize you know I can't produce these results only Jesus can do this in me. And when we focus on the process, then we're simply walking with Jesus. Walking with Him. So start focusing on the process of living as Jesus' disciples. Focus on Him. Because through the process of focusing on Jesus, we become more faithful. And He's gracious to guide us through our failure into a new and joyful obedience. So here's the thing I'm challenging you to do this week. Open the Bible. Read the Bible. Pray the Bible. And trust the Bible. Open, read, pray, and trust the Bible. That is your challenge for this week. Open the Bible. Some of you would say, where do I start? Where should I start reading the Bible this week? Well, one suggestion is this. If you want to have your eyes open to the truth of the way your life should be and how you should be living, open to the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew's chapters, uh, chapter 5, 6, and 7. Read what Jesus has to say in that most important sermon. But don't just read it, pray it. Then, as you read, read slowly. Sometimes we think the Bible is just like any other book. We just read it, we read through it, and move on, and... uh, Put the Bible down and let it collect dust. Read it slowly. Read the same passage. More than once, digest it. Meditate upon it. Ask, what is Jesus saying? How does this apply to my life? And then pray the Bible. Let God's words be the basis of your prayer. Ask the Lord, what should I repent of? And then trust the Bible. Trust God's truth even when you don't like it. Do you know the Bible is going to reveal things to you that completely challenge you? Things that you're not going to want to hear. But trust God's truth even when you don't like it. We don't believe the Bible because we like it. We believe the Bible because it's truth. So trust the Bible. Trust His gracious promise of mercy and forgiveness. And trust that this is all gift. It's a gift of His grace given to you today. Don't see Scripture reading as something that you have to do. See it as something that you get to do. There's a complete... There's, there's what, what you have to do versus what you get to do are completely different. Yes. He's given you his word. A gift that you can open this week. Something through which the Holy Spirit will open your eyes. And reveal to you the truth of who he is. And of what he has done. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is truth. Cause our eyes once again to be open. Cause us to look to you again. Help us to not look at life and to see life from our own perspective. But help us to see things from your perspective. We need this gift from you. We need the gift of your word. So, Lord, I pray that all of this you would be glorified in the church. That you would be glorified in our lives. And that through this, many people would be blessed. As we see things from your perspective, we begin to move and to act in a way where we uh, love our, our neighbors, we love one another, and we become servants. But Lord, this is a work that only you can do. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.